0: Well, church, as we walk into this Thanksgiving uh, season, I saw this cartoon image the other day, and I laughed uh, because I think it's completely uh, true, right? Could we at least finish dinner first, right? Santa and uh, Cabela's are already reminding us that we only have a certain number of days to get the job done. Right and our shopping experience, uh, and and we asked the question. It's kind of a cool thing to talk about, like why is Thanksgiving being overruled, but or why by Christmas, and and uh, we can get grumpy. I get grumpy sometimes, and I blab to myself about all of these things. But as we think about that, it really is true, right? Like it's being trampled by this. We even can go shopping all day in Thanksgiving if we choose, um, because uh, the sale just has to start earlier and earlier and earlier. We just can't get enough. I I need to consume, right? I need to get that special item. Uh, And so if you go think Black Friday shopping or even Thanksgiving shopping, number one, don't die, okay? (laughs) That that happens. That's real. There's a website. I won't tell you the website, but I watch it and tell you the number of deaths and uh, injuries. It's very interesting. Gives you a play-by-play. Right? Don't do that. Don't die. Don't get injured. Right? Uh, but we are, we are in this uh, frenzy um, of, of the sale and the, that we worry that we won't get there in time. If you haven't been there, then maybe you're maybe lying to yourself a little bit. You sent somebody else to go get that special thing. Right? You, you, you're, you've, you've built up this scarcity. And, and no matter how much I know and how much I've read about advertising and study, that was the part that I studied in grad school, uh, and the idea of created scarcity I fall for it every time, right? Created scarcity is that on the front of the Walmart thing, it says, this is the 79-inch TV for $9.99, right? Be in line at 8 a.m. or you know whatever, the 8 p.m. the night before. Uh, and if you read the fine print, it says there is one per state. Right. Like, like there's no option. You're not going to get that TV. It's that created scarcity. Right. We we fall for it every time where we're in that that mindset that we've got to get there. We've got to do that. And, and, and we're afraid that if we don't do the things we need to do, we won't get the Christmas that we need to have. Right? Do you see that? Is that present? Is that something that we can identify? And so my question today as we meet and as we gather as the people of God, what does it mean to, as the people of God to live in a society that is consumed by fear and by the idea of scarcity? Now, what's it mean to, to live in the tension of, uh, of we are Jesus people here and now in the middle of this society that, that is ruled and marked by worry and fear and scarcity, whether it's perceived or, or real scarcity. What does it mean to be people of peace instead of worry? Because we serve the Prince of Peace. What's it mean to be people of peace instead of worry? What's it mean to, to be people that have this attitude of, of abundance, that there's more than enough, than, rather than this attitude of scarcity? And not like in this attitude of abundance, like if you just pray more, God will make you rich. Right? I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about this idea that God will provide. What's it mean to be people that are not by, marked by worry uh, but are marked by peace and not marked by scarcity but by, are marked by this mindset uh, of abundance. What's it, what's it look like to 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 live this this life? Number 1, recognize that it's completely countercultural. Right? To to reject worry and the myth of scarcity, we reject panic. Right? And if you don't think panic's involved in Black Friday, then I'll tell you the website that I go to to watch the panic happen. Right, It's like gunshots in the parking lot because you stole my toy. It's real. It's panic. It's, it's this created panic. Or, or by rejecting worry and the myth of scarcity, we reject the need to control or, or the need to gather or defend or, 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 or the need to hoard just in case we won't have enough. The truth is, in the world uh, that is marked by worry and scarcity, there really is no place for thanksgiving, right? In a world marked by worry and scarcity, there's no place for thanksgiving. And that's probably why we just run over it to get to Christmas. Because uh, we live in an incredible place, but there are times where you wonder if, if we have something to be thankful for. There are times that I interact with, with people and I, and I recognize that life is hard, but we, we don't see it sometimes in the, in the midst of our own struggle, in the midst of our own worry, in, in, the, in, the, in the problem of scarcity in our own lives but when we when we genuinely offer uh, thanks when we come to this place of thanksgiving a, a beautiful thing happens and is brought about in, in our lives where we essentially acknowledge that number 1 i am not the source Right? I'm not the source of, and the sustenance of life. And, and number two, I am not self-sufficient. You, try to, I hear, you hear it every Sunday if we're here. You the, God, you're the owner and provider of all. Lord, would you help me trust that you're the owner and provider of all, that I might have this heart of thanksgiving leaning into this truth, leaning into this knowledge, but it's an uncomfortable thing to lean into especially when the sale's happening down the street, right? So what's it look like? If you have your Bibles with you today, we're going to open up to Philippians chapter 4 this morning as we our uh, walk through this uh, this this period or this uh this section um w- with Paul um as he's addressing a, a certain congregation we'll talk about here uh in in a minute but Philippians chapter 4 starting in verse 4 through verse 9 church hear the word of the lord this morning if you don't have your bibles it's on the screen for you uh today but hear this Paul speaking so rejoice in the lord always i'll say it again Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true and whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable and anything that is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things, whether you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. The word of the Lord this morning, thanks be to God. Certainly, countercultural. Um, this idea of not worrying about uh, anything or, or, or anything in our lives—we don't worry that we're to, to place uh, uh, that there will be peace that will guard our heart and our mind. That there's no need uh, to panic. Right? Paul lays this out here, and if you know anything about this this book of Philippians, um, you know that these verses and context are just crazy right they're just they they they're knowing where Paul's coming from um, they they're, they're pretty uh, incredible in fact that peace of god that goes beyond all human understanding that Paul talks about is on display here because Paul is in prison right he's in he's in chains for, for Jesus he's in chains for spreading uh, the gospel he's under lock and key he will not be free again in fact he will be beheaded right this is where he, this is where he's going this is what's happening. And yet he says these things. The recipients are these people that are, are, are faithful followers of Jesus, but they're experiencing some hostility from their neighbors. There's the possibility that they're going to uh, suffer for Jesus. There, there's the possibility that they're, they're, they're being persecuted for who they're following. And then, then Paul comes and tells them not to worry about anything. A man in prison for Jesus who will eventually be beheaded, tells them that, that not to worry about anything. In fact, he, he's, he's talking to this newborn church that's so young in their faith and so passionate, and yet their very pagan neighbors are, are, are persecuting them. And things don't feel comfortable, and things aren't right, and we're not going back to the comfortable sermon, I promise. Well, maybe a little bit, right? But it's just not fun. Right? It's not what, we, what they maybe signed up for, and Paul's telling them, don't worry, just present your request to God with, with, with thanksgiving. I always wonder at this point, does this make me a bad Christian if I cre- question this kind of stuff? Right? Like, like, I don't know how to do this if I was in that circumstance. I, I don't know what that would, what that would look like if, if I was present in there. Like, my life is good. I woke up this morning and there was water at the sink. Didn't have to walk for it. Like I woke up this morning, my wife made me eggs. It's an amazing morning. All right? My my boy had peanut butter toast and it was just awesome. But what's it look like to to, to to not worry and to and to do what Paul's asking us and calling us to do in a situation uh, like that, and not just that, do it all with this heart full of, uh, of thanksgiving surrender our worries to god is not my strong suit because i like to worry it's not not the easiest thing to do because i've i've acknowledged in my life that 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 i like to hold on to that at times and and then i i think of others like we just prayed for our brothers and sisters where their entire cities have burnt to the ground and then we read this and we think really like I think I would be pretty worried about a place to live and, and to have my family. It happens again and again and again. You just fill in the blank with natural disaster or, or refugees from this country or that country that, that have nothing and, and this, is, this is something that we're anxious about. Don't worry and don't be anxious, but that's exactly what I'm good at. We like to worry. Most of the time we feel like we're, we're doing something, right? right? When, when something happens, like I call it problem solving, but it's really worry. <laughs> My fingernails are evidence of that. Right, we we like to grab in that we feel like we're doing something like we have some kind of control when when things go wrong and and we want to make them right or when when stuff is is taken from our grip and we try to figure out how to get it back and and we are just just in this mindset that, that we've got to we've got to do something and we've got to we, we've got to get it back and and yet here Paul is telling us not to to worry, what should we do? Should we just throw in the towel on this this Jesus way of living with peace and abundance that we mentioned earlier, or should we just resign ourselves to being just like everybody else and, and just fall into the worry because it's too hard to to not? Or, or, or what should we do? And my answer to this is that I don't think that we have to. I think that we can live. The, the way that, that Paul is calling us and inviting us to live, and, and, and this is why. God is good, right? God is good all the time, and, and God is faithful. And then I like this one God wants more for me than I want for me. Always, it's happened, it's been like that forever. Always, God wants more for, for me. How can it be? How could I know? Because I've tasted and seen that God is good. I've tasted and seen and I've witnessed and I've read and and, I, and I've watched your lives that God is faithful and that God wants more for you. Like this is one of those moments where we pass around the mic and we have testimony time, like old school. How many of you don't remember that? Okay, maybe a couple, right? Right? Like, this is what we do. This, this is the importance of our testimony that, that we would share with each other, that we would open up to one another to know what God is doing and how God is faithful. If I just live in my isolated bubble and I don't share my story with you, then you, do, you miss out on that, on that seeing and knowing and, and recognizing God's action in, in, in our lives. I've shared my story many, many times, but part of my story uh, is is the is the idea of scarcity. I remember um, my uh, my best man from from my wedding. Uh, He's a big Hawaiian, and they would he would always say, "Hey, we go we go and talk story," and that's just a, a, a time to just talk and to and to share what, what what life is about. We talk story about family and friends and life, and, and we could ha- we could talk story a lot this morning the ways in, God, in which God has worked and, and what God has, has, has invited us out from. And, but, but mine was this, this life and this idea that there is not enough in this world. Right, that there's this anxiety. I grew up with the the single mom who who, who worked and, and did all she could to provide, but there was still worry and anxiety that that we wouldn't pay the rent that month, or we wouldn't have food food to eat at the the, the end of the month, or we wouldn't whatever. It, it was it was developing this mind of scarcity within me that there was this deep fear and scarcity that there wasn't enough of all things, not just food. Remember, I'd eat all the food at the potluck. That's a curse. Well, you paid for my college, thank you very much. But, but we have this, this, this scarcity of all things. There's not enough time to give. There's not enough of me to, to, to give. There's not enough love. There, there's not enough grace. There's not enough what, whatever it is. But I recognize as I met Jesus that God is good and God is faithful and God wants more for me than I want for myself. And over and over and over again, I learned that Jesus is more than enough. Like not in some cheesy way, like this, don't worry about your problems and just plow ahead and you'll get over it, like the radio tells me. But that Jesus is really, literally, more than enough, over and over and over again. There's an abundance of all things. James chapter one verse seventeen, we're reminded as as we think about what is good in life, that every good and perfect gift comes from above. Every one of them, not just a couple, not just some. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. And and if we ask some people in this room that have followed Jesus much longer than me, then they'll tell you that Jesus is more than enough. He is good and he is faithful and he wants more for us as his children. He provides more than enough and it just doesn't stop. Around every corner, God is ready to comfort, ready to gift, ready to provide. Around every corner, God is already there. There is provenient grace going before us. But yet, I feel like my, my scarcity mindset is what I need because there might not be enough, and yet God goes before me to help me realize that He is enough. When I don't have enough grace for myself, I find that there's more than enough of grace in Jesus. Like when I have no peace in my brain, and there are 99 brilliant ideas in there that Adderall can't even touch, right? Like, it's crazy. I recognize, finally, after I get to the end of myself, that Jesus provides more than enough peace. It's that peace you're talking about in verse 7, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding. I got myself into this cycle, and I can't get myself out, but He can. It will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When I am struggling to love, struggling to love myself or the people around me, I, I cry out to God, and God's love is more than enough, showing me that I'm indeed lovable, and calling me to love others. Not out of myself, because there ain't enough. But out of him, because there's more than enough. And when I gain perspective and gray hairs in my beard, and I look back, I recognize that those difficult situations that I thought were so horrible shaped me in incredible, incredible ways where I realized and I was taught and shaped to, to understand that God was with me the whole time and it was, a, it was an opportunity to trust a little more, to, to realize that I didn't have all the answers, that I wasn't the one that was seated on the throne. It was, it was God with me the whole time. And man, I am I am thankful. I rejoice for the Lord for his good gifts, and it is pretty sweet. Life's not perfect, it's pretty good. Life will never be perfect, but it's it's pretty good. And thanks be to God that the Lord is near. He's not far off. He's, he's present with us in our everyday ordinary life. So Paul's writing to these people that that are in this new life with Jesus. He's writing them, and and they're struggling a little. And and there's some of us that are in that same boat. We've all been there. We know the struggles of living this life and following Jesus. It's not an if. It's a when, right? We're going to be there. At some point, when we have a need or, or when we have a situation or when we have a problem or when we're facing a wall in life that we can't see beyond, Paul reminds us that we're a little bit different than everybody else. Not just a little bit different, a lot of bit different. We're called and empowered to live life differently when we come to these places and spaces in life. Paul reminds us that we're, we're a little bit weird and we're not to be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, we're, we're going to present our request to God. right? In all these things, when I come to this place and, and I can't see a way forward, I'm not going to be anxious about it. I'm not going to spin my wheels worrying about it, but I'm going to call upon a God who has more than enough to help me with it in prayer and petition, and I'm going to do this asking, requesting, with thanksgiving, right? And I've always wondered why the order of that was that way. Like, what's, what's up with the thanksgiving part? Don't you have the thanksgiving part after Jesus does what we ask him to do? Right? Like, is that how it works? No. That we, we come to this place and we hit these walls and, and I'm coming before God and I'm asking and I'm knowing that, that God is present and I come with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving for all those moments where, where I recognize that God is good and God is faithful and God wants more for me. I'm at, I'm at the wall. I can't see forward. I come with my stuff. Yeah, would you just would you make a way in this place? I don't know what to do. I don't know how to live. I'm at the end of me. I I just don't I don't have this. And that Paul calls us to be people of thanksgiving in this place where things are uncomfortable. Right? Where, Where stuff is broken where relationships are severed and there seems to be no way forward. We come to God with our prayer and our petition, asking God to to move and to act and restore, but we come with gratitude of all that He has already done. I'm rejecting worry. I'm rejecting scarcity when I come with a thankful heart. Because what I'm saying in this situation is that I've seen you do this. And I see you, as I watch you do that. And you brought about restoration in that relationship. And Lord knows that was never going to happen on its own, right? And, and you, you brought healing in this situation. And, and, and you've done that. And I'm so thankful. And so as I stand in the middle of this one, I know that you are good. And I know that you are faithful. And I know that you want the best from me. And I am thankful. I'm not comfortable. There's that, that uncomfortable sermon again. But I am thankful. I come with a thankful heart. I come with thanksgiving on my mind and gratitude because I've stopped to look around and see that God has gifted me with so many different things. The writer and theologian uh, Brueggemann said this about thanksgiving and gratitude. He said, faithful gratitude believes that the God who has given good gifts has more good gifts to give. You know that? The God who has given good gifts has more good gif- gifts to give. I'm in this place. I don't like it. It's not fun. But I recognize all that God has done knowing that God can do more. right? Knowing that God wants the best for me. Knowing that, that God can act and invite me forward into something New, faithful gratitude believes that the God who has given good gifts has more good gifts to give. He's given us so much, but he has more to give. So the question this morning is, do we really believe this? Do I really believe this? Do I believe that the God who has given so many good things has more good gifts to give? And I'll speak for myself here first, and then I'll turn to us. But there are times where my actions and my reactions show unbelief, without a doubt. There are times when my responses and and the first thing that that I act on shows unbelief. There are times where I think that my worry is actually changing things for the better. You never do that, right? There are times where I don't think that God can do it. I don't say that because I'm not crazy. But there are times where I think that we think that God can't do that. That person at work is crazy. That family member has gone off the rails many years ago. You fill in the blank. There are times where I put limits on God. Like, I put limits on the one who created me. and You do too. We're moving to you now. (laughs) We do that. Our responses and and our reactions to stuff show that that there is unbelief, that I know that God is good, but, but will He be good again? God is good, and God is faithful, and God wants more for me than I want for me. That cultivating a heart of thankfulness and gratitude becomes an opportunity to remember that Jesus is Lord, and I am not becomes an opportunity. This isn't just about turkey and football. This is about life. It becomes an opportunity for me to remember that Jesus is Lord, and I am not, and that God is good and faithful and wants the best for me. So I'm going to practice that faithful gratitude by giving God thanks for the good gifts and looking forward, knowing that there's more. There's this thing in our brain that I love. I'm fascinated by this. It's, they call it the RAS, the RAS, the Reticular Activating System. And basically there's this little tiny thing that's wrapped up in, in, your, in your spinal cord, your base here. And it is the, think about it this way, it is the, the bouncer of the nightclub for your brain. That's my favorite illustration. Like, it decides and determines what gets let in and what doesn't. What's important and what's not important, right? So if we're just, let's just do this. We're going to be quiet for 10 seconds, and I want you to listen for all the things that you can hear. Did you hear something that you weren't hearing a second ago? right? Like you are, if you stopped and if you could hear, have you ever seen things where people ha- can hear everything and they hear conversations in the next room and they're just like overwhelmed by things? If you didn't have this system, you would be completely overwhelmed by all things. But this is the, 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 the bodyguard, the bouncer f- for our brain. It's a pretty incredible thing. I, I, I usually think that I'm pretty aware of things around me, but I don't see a lot of stuff. Ask my wife. Clutterblind in many ways, right? But the the simple fact is that I begin to see the things that I choose to focus on and think about. I begin to see them. The things that I value are what's important to me. Say that you got a red Mustang for Christmas and you're excited, right? You're like, I'm the only one in town that has a red Mustang and I got it for Christmas, and then you go around town and you notice that there are 150 red mustangs. Right? It ruins Christmas for you. But you, 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 you realize that you begin to see it everywhere. It's because you're focused on that thing. And so if we, the people of God, stop to notice all the blessings in my life, it's going to help me to give thanks to God. It's going gonna, it's gonna to remind me of all the good gifts that God has given me. It's gonna it's gonna remind me of the places that, that God has invited me to and out of. It, it's gonna it's gonna be on my mind in the everyday ordinary stuff. So I'm gonna I'm gonna remember and give thanks and and I'm gonna look ahead and, and knowing that there's more. In my everyday normal things, I'm gonna give thanks. There's some amazing things that we have every day that we just just take for granted. Like air, you ever thought about that? Air is pretty important. Thankful for air and things like water, that's pretty important. And and so I am going to look around me and, and I am going to take the opportunity to recognize these good gifts, or I am going to I am going to look for the obscure things and the obscure gifts in my life, and I am going to give thanks for those these these hidden opportunities to give thanks. Paul tells us, whatever is true, whatever is lovely, whatever is good, of good rapport or gracious, think on these things. It means to calculate, to stop and to pause and to ponder on these good things. Like, who is good in my life? Like, who is, who is lovely? Because I'm usually one to pick out all the curmudgeons. But what, who is good? Who is good? and who is right, and who is, or what is, is true in this life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look for those obscure things, and I'm going to give thanks. And then the hardest one, that even with the hard and hurtful things of life, I'm still going to give thanks. We are not going to say, I'm going to give thanks for this illness. That's probably not there. Or I'm not going to say, I give thanks for what this person has done for me. If I can't do that, then maybe I'll start here. I give thanks that God is with me through this illness. Or I give thanks that God is with me every single day when I have grace for that person that that I have to interact with that doesn't like me very much. That there's always something to give thanks I'm thankful even through the worst circumstances that God can work. There's this uh, town in Enterprise, Alabama that I read about this week. I even learned of a new bug. In the middle of this town in Enterprise, Alabama is a monument in the middle of the town square. I think I've got a picture for you there. And it's a monument of this lady uh, holding... A boll weevil. You, some of you know what that is. I have no clue what that is, right? It's a bull, It's a bug. And the boll weevil in this town in 1915 destroyed their livelihood because the boll weevil ate cotton and destroyed plants and completely decimated the, the, the people's livelihood. But through this, they learned the importance of uh, of planting different things. And so rather than just die out as a town. They begin to plant peanuts and corn and and other crops. And in just two years, they erected a statue. I think go to the next slide. It says this, right? It says, in profound appreciation of the boll weevil, right? And what it has done is the herald of prosperity. This monument was erected by the citizens of Enterprise Coffee Cali, Alabama, in 1919. Maybe you've got some boll weevils in your life. And that's why I like being a preacher. (laughs) Maybe you do. Maybe it's tough stuff. But you've learned as God has given you grace and invited you different ways that it ain't all bad. That God is present. That God is there. May we be thankful for the presence of our Lord. Band, as you come, as they come and help us Hear Paul's words again. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. God is faithful, God is good, and God wants more for us.
1: Your kindness leads me to
0: Let's stand for the benediction as we go today. As you go from this place, remember that God is good, faithful, and wants the best for you. So on Thanksgiving week, I pray that the peace of Christ will fill your lives with thankfulness. May you not be anxious about anything. Don't let those bull weevils get you down. For the Lord is near. Go in action and go in peace. Yours, is missed.